0: Hello, I'm Tiffany Parks, and this is A Bittersweet Moment with Katie Sewell.
1: Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell, and this is your midweek bittersweet moment. And the most amazing thing happened this week. And here with me to talk about it is Drew Ackerman, the host of the Sleep With Me podcast. Hi, Drew.
2: Hey, hi everybody.
1: Thanks for joining us. So Sleep With Me is a podcast that helps you get to sleep, and it's one that I've been listening to for many, many years now. I've lost count, and this week on Sleep With Me, Drew transformed Tiffany in my virtual tour of Rome from a number of weeks ago into a story on his podcast, which for me was like hearing my life story as a bedtime story. (laughs) It was very, very amusing. I actually did listen to it while I was trying not to go to bed, because I was uh, wanting to hear what you did. I put it on, and it was probably about 8 or 9 p.m. at night, and Derek said, uh, why are we listening to Sleep With Me right now? It's too early. And I said, you'll find out. You'll find out. So before we get started, though, I just thought, since some people listening probably aren't familiar with your show, I'd play a back-to-back version. So the episode that you base this off of was our original episode, which was 3.13, where we took you on a imagined walking tour of Rome with Tiffany's historical knowledge and my sound effects and ability to edit making it sound like we were in Rome even though we weren't. So I figured what I would do is I'd play part of that and then back to back play how you transformed it into a bedtime story.
3: It sounds fun.
1: This is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks and I am currently in Seattle and Tiffany is currently in her apartment in the outskirts of Rome. But today we're going on a journey. (laughs) <laughs> we're going to go on a virtual walking tour of Rome.
0: Yeah, we're going to do what both Katie and I have been dreaming of doing this entire lockdown, which is explore Rome, because we can't right now.
1: Right. So through the magic of radio, we are going to go on a journey together through the streets of Rome. And Tiffany, I was thinking, since we're creating this journey as if it's, it's just sprung from the well of your historical knowledge and my mixing of sound effects... We could set this at any time we want. Like, for instance, we could set it at Christmas time.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, Christmas time is a magical time to be in Rome, but I think we should set it right now in April, because April is such a beautiful time to be in Rome, particularly because of the wisteria, which is one of the most beautiful flowers that you can see around Rome, and they always bloom in April.
1: All right, so should we start in the subway tunnel?
0: no 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 let's uh let's start right in the center of it all let's start at the pantheon
1: so here we are right outside the pantheon ah light crowds beautiful day
0: there's nothing really like seeing the pantheon especially when you see it for the first time whenever i take people on a tour i always walk around the corner um, down a side street and approach the pantheon around sort of a blind angle so it just looms in front of you because it's really quite big as you can see katie right in front of you
1: yes and i'm katie
3: i'm in seattle tiffany is currently in her apartment on the outskirts of rome but today we're going on a journey we're going to go on a virtual walking tour of rome that's right katie we're gonna go uh we've both been thinking about this a lot doing this uh, over this past uh, few months uh which is to explore Rome, because we can't do it together right now. That's right, Tiffany. So through the magic of radio, we're going to go on a journey together through the streets of Rome. And Tiffany, I was thinking, since we're creating this journey as if it just has sprung from the well of your historical knowledge and my mixing of sound effects, we could set it at any time you want, uh... For instance, we could set it at Christmas time with the beautiful music and sounds of Rome and the holidays. Yeah, Katie, uh, Christmas time is a magical time to be in Rome, but I think we should set it right now, uh, or just a few months ago in April. Because April's such a beautiful time to be in Rome, particularly because of the wisteria, one of them used to which is one of the most beautiful flowers you could see around Rome, and they always bloom in April. Oh boy, I could smell that wisteria. That is nice. All right, Tiffany, so should we start in the subway tunnel with the sounds of the subway? Maybe a busker in the background? No, 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 no. Let's start right in the center of it all. Let's start at the Pantheon. So here we are right outside the Pantheon, light crowds, a beautiful day. There's nothing, really nothing like seeing the Pantheon, especially when you see it for the first time. Whenever I take people on a tour, I always walk around the corner down a side street and approach the Pantheon from a sort of blind angle so it just looms in front of you. As you can see, Katie, there it is, right in front of you. And as a note from Scoots. I, I do remember when I saw the pantheon. This was—it was one of—it is one of those experiences, uh, uh, just like they're talking about. I couldn't believe it either. Uh, relatively, there it is, looming above us, uh, above the square we're standing in, which is so now. People know what
1: you do. At least have a hint of what you do. Now. I guess my first question is, how did you discover that you had an ability to make people fall asleep?
2: Huh. I mean, maybe the earliest one, and my brother claims not to remember this, but when I couldn't sleep, we shared a bedroom, and I can remember us trying to play this game where it was like we'd take turns telling each other stories, and whoever won was stuck being awake, and whoever lost fell asleep. So I think that was like the first time I tested that out was probably when I was like in third, fourth, fifth grade.
1: And that would be that you'd be trying to ramble, tell a story to see who fell asleep fastest?
2: Yeah, we'd be like, okay, so yeah, I was tying my shoes, very similar to the podcast. And then I, I was like wondering, well, what what, kind, what, what, what kind of, what, how did I, who taught me how to, <laughs> am I a left-handed shoelace tire or a right-handed shoelace? It just kind of go on and on like that. Uh, Until ideally, I guess my brother fell asleep the majority of the time because he's like, oh, I don't even remember doing that.
1: See, there you go. I used to do a similar thing with my sister, although not in the amount of rambling that you're able to do. But she often would say, oh, can you hum me to sleep or... Or we'd have a game where we were trying to come up with words that had a double meaning, like um, the king who reigned for 40 years. Like he reigned over a kingdom, but he also reigned, poured liquid from his body. You know, (laughs) we used to try to come up with things like that until we fell asleep. And still the same as you, I think I was always the one left awake. So interesting technique by these siblings of ours.
2: Yeah, audio and night is so interesting. Because I think another part of me was listening to the radio when I couldn't sleep And then another thing that it took years from the podcast is like when you're listening to other people, like you're lying in bed. So it's like uh, you're listening to adults watching TV or listening to them having conversations. And I think all those little memories fused in that audio part of my brain for a long time. So
1: when you started making the podcast, did you ever think that you'd get to episode 887, which is the episode that you release about Rome this week?
2: No, I mean, I don't even think like I still like that part of me is like, oh, okay, I'm living in a simulation because uh, did I really make 887 episodes of the podcast?
1: I mean, it's it's a lot. I, I look at how much we've done and I think that's a lot. So you have a persona that you deliver all this from called Dearest Scooter or Scoots. Where does the persona come from?
2: I think, well, it comes, it became a necessary thing for making the podcast because I have like this really strong internal critic and I kept putting the podcast off and I was super paranoid about performing on the mic. I was like, no, I can't do it. And for some reason, I was like, well, I really want to make this podcast. I really want to try and see how it goes and I just had this conversation with my critic one day. I was like, well, what if we use a pseudonym? Would that be okay? And my critic's like, yeah, that sounds good. And I'm like, even though in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, it's like a total illusion and mental trick, but my critic was like, oh, okay. But what I found is that it was kind of an accidental discovery. For me, it was just a trick to get one step more forward on making the show. But now I look back on it, I'm able, like a lot of the Qualities I have as a podcast host, I wish they were existed in my day to day life because I'm really able to like put my best self forward, be there in the present moment for the listeners. And some of those lessons I'm able to translate into everyday life, but not all of them. So it's really given me opportunity to be like, okay, if I'm going to be Scooter now, I guess I don't say that to myself, but like if I'm inhabiting that space. It really helps me concentrate on the task at hand, which is kind of boring people to sleep and going (laughs) off topic.
1: (laughs) Which is such a fascinating task at hand. Um, What has translated from the podcast into real life, do you think? How have you changed?
2: Well, I definitely have. I mean, when you think about that 800 episodes, like I had so many projects before the podcast that I started and didn't complete or abandoned. And the podcast has really taught me, whether it's 400 episodes or 800 episodes, that's a lot for podcasts. Either one is just like, do the work and just take it like one day at a time, slow and steady and just see how it goes. Where before that, it was like, oh, this just isn't working out. Instead of like being more process based and being like, well, sometimes this feels good and sometimes it feels really hard, uh, but I'm going to keep at it.
1: You and I have had several conversations together and I know how much work you put into this show. You know, it might sound like you're rambling. I don't know how much of it you're doing off book versus on book, where you've actually written it down versus you're just making it up. Maybe I should ask you that question first. Well,
2: like the making of the uh, Rome episode was interesting because, so I listened to the episode a bunch of times, and I would listen to the episode a lot of times while I was walking. And so that's like kind of the fun, some of the fun work of the podcast is like, so I'm trying to listen to all the levels, like the sound design, You and Tiffany's interaction, then the theater of the mind that you're putting the listener in and trying to go there. And then some of the things I could recognize and picture in my mind. And then some I I had no idea what they looked like. So I was like, really like developing things like this more misty picture through what you were talking about. And then, oh, wow. Okay. Here comes the accordion player or whatever. Or, oh, where are we in the subway? What is it? What does the subway in Rome look like? So it was really like fun and just keeping. Doing that over and over a few times, then I started to just get a a sense of the feel. And then I also had the transcript from the show. So then it's like I'm able to look through the transcript and then look at what caught my attention, what was like mysterious. I also had the episode ready because then I could listen to Tiffany's pronunciations of things to try to not totally destroy the pronunciations so that people that knew it wouldn't wake up and be like, oh, no, that's not how you say it.
1: (laughs) This is a problem I have every week when it gets to anything <laughs> in Italian. That's why I usually have Tiffany be our reader because I just know I'm going to stumble way over myself. So you have all those tools and then you have to kind of craft it into a, your own script of what you're going to say and how you're going to deliver it. So do you write all that down?
2: With something like this, I like, will take the transcript and print it out and then space it out and then write in the margins or whatever. Like So it's like, oh, okay, make circles and then point back, oh, okay, like and then trying to figure out how to handle you and Tiffany's interactions and the sound design in a way that's still sleepy. (laughs) Even though people are supposed to be asleep, how am I adding some cohesion to be like, okay, I'm handing it off to you now, Tiffany, go ahead. But those are like fun puzzle pieces, right, to try to figure out too.
1: Yeah. What is it like for you to do all this work and think the vast majority of my audience is asleep right now?
2: I think it shows... Part of me is insane in a good way, like or or maybe not, or or I'm just delusional. Like I like to think that the work that goes into it enables the people to fall asleep or like gives them the confidence. I mean, because any story you're saying, okay, trust me as a storyteller, I'm going to take you on this journey, and so it's still the same proposal, but you don't have to pay attention on the journey. But I'm still going to try to tell you a story, and I don't know if there's something in the lizard brain or the mammalian brain that I believe, like the work that goes into it puts people at ease. The sense that they know the story's complete like gives them permission not to listen to it. But if the story wasn't complete, they would wake up or, or it wouldn't work. Now, that's a part that's like, okay, you could be wrong. But it's like, okay, this is a situation where I'm very willing to be wrong. And then there's one other lesson I... This was a hard lesson I had to learn. There is a tiny percentage of the listeners that are listening, like chronic insomniacs. And when I first started the show... I was like, oh, everybody's going to be either be asleep or shut the po- shut the podcast off. <laughs> and so I'd make these jokes later in the show and they were kind of self-deprecating like, oh, nobody's listening or I could say anything. And a couple of people emailed me and said, you know, that really hurt my feelings because I was like wide awake, desperate and alone, like in bed. And I knew I wasn't going to fall asleep. And you kind of pointed that out. So now I've taken that to heart as like, okay, even if it's like, of those people are listening. Like, I know how that feels and I I want to be there to keep them company too. Kind of like you said, like you're sharing a room or you're on a trip with a bunch of friends or something and you're like, okay, I'll just be here to to take your mind off stuff.
1: You do put humor in the show though, I have to say. I mean, I'm sure that's intentional too.
2: Yeah. I like it to be goofy. Like I try to get people's face to a neutral position. Instead of a guffaw, I'm just looking for a guff. Like a (laughs) that people feel lighthearted. Because I know for me, when I can't sleep, it feels like so serious and bedtime feels so ominous. So I wanted the show to be like so goofy and silly that it's like, oh, okay, this is a serious issue that this person doesn't treat in a serious manner.
1: I mean, the things that I think that you bring to the table are exactly this, a kindness and a generosity and a sense of humor. But also you're playing within the realm of the waking dreaming thing. There's something about how you're talking that starts getting into almost that dreamland state with the mind. Is there any kind of science behind this or is this just your personality coming out and this is who you are as a person slightly playing a character?
2: Yeah, I have no science background. So some scientists have looked at the podcast and they've like uh, said, oh, okay, this is what's happening or this is what's happening. I mean, I definitely have a lot of those moments myself where it's like, oh, you're halfway between wake and sleep. And I've always been personally curious of like, oh, now my mind's starting to do these surrealistic things. I'm wearing clown shoes on my ears, but I'm still awake. Huh, that's interesting. So it is something I try to capture with the podcast. And then I think it's also my own personality. Like I have a lot of fragmented thoughts. I'm easily distracted. So it's like kind of trying to calm down. Even in the Rome episode, it's like I'm having that extra layer of your theater of the mind that you're creating creates something extra sleep because it's like, Oh, I'm not looking at the, the statue. I'm looking at how you're describing the statue and then how my mind is formulating that picture. And then I'm trying to describe that as, (laughs) so it's like having an extra layer usually helps it too, of like, it makes it even more confusing in a positive way, I guess.
1: I found out about your podcast by hearing you interviewed by somebody else. And I remember you asking the host of that show a question which was do you think that the show will still work for me now that you've met me yeah and I don't remember what she said probably because she didn't know but do you have a sense of that too that how important it is that you are unknown
2: I think it's a such a personal thing and I, I guess so I've been doing the show long enough that I've seen it go every direction like I think like for a long time I wanted to be a disembodied voice but then I like wanted to connect with the listeners and then it was like oh, should I give everybody the choice? But then it's like with the internet, that's kind of impossible. And so now I've seen like some people, yeah, they see it and they're like, oh, I thought you were like Jerry Garcia. And so like it shattered it. Or I thought you like looked like this. And I mean, I've had that experience as someone that consumes a lot of audio. Like I still, I don't even think I know what Barbara Budd looks like. And I feel like I've listened to her voice. I can hear it in my ear for some reason, like her voice, she's a Canadian journalist broadcaster. Like it just pops in my head. So I don't know what would happen if I saw like Barbara Bud or met Barbara Bud, but um, yeah. But then other people they'll like see me and they'll change their relationship with the podcast, and then they'll come back to it. Or people that know me personally will be like, "Oh, I can't listen to the podcast because I know you too well." But then they'll have a time of crisis and they'll be like, "You know what? I started listening to your show and it actually helped." Uh, so then there's people that come in and out. Yeah, it's a tricky thing. Accepting you just can't control like how people consume you want to control everything when you make audio or anything, but then you end up like, oh, this is so little of this is under my control after I make it that uh it can be humbling.
1: Since I don't very I very rarely interview podcasters, other podcasters, do you think that because you are a longtime podcaster, you experience other podcasts differently?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean one thing I notice is like I definitely am not super critical. I think with podcasts, the nice thing is there's so many of them and it's not radio where it's a forced listen that you can check it out and be like, okay, I like how this sits my ears or I, I like this person or I want to hear what they're having to say. Or you could just turn it off and be like, yeah, I don't like how this sounds or I, I don't know this person's coming on too strong. But then you, there's so many little choices you can notice and there's so many more opportunities for imperfection in a good way compared to radio that, that just because of the limited bandwidth and then the limited number of radio state radio companies in the U S like are opportunities that uh, there's so many hidden gems. And then there's so many people that you like hear talent or you hear like a really cool voice. And you're like, oh, I wonder this show, maybe this is, they're going to do another show five years from now that I'll capitalize on this. I love listening to it. I mean, I it guess it's affected my time most of all. It's like I wish I had more time to listen to podcasts.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, for me, it's like an ebb and flow. Sometimes I feel like there's a lot of things out that I'm really interested in, and then it's hard when we're as long time producers as you and I are. You do know that sometimes people are like, "Well, I did that for three years. Yeah, <laughs> that was fun." I got to hang out with Drew for three years and, and I'm good, you know, or like same with Katie and Tiffany. I was with them in Rome, but now that they're not in Rome anymore, I just, yeah, no. <laughs> you know, now that Katie's not there, I'm not really that interested anymore. And and that's just the way it is because I know that I'm like that too. I'll I'll be obsessed with the show for a while. And then one day I'll think, I don't want to listen to these people anymore.
2: Yeah. I think that's interesting. Like for two reasons. One is like, then if, if you're able to keep going, can people find their way back to it? And then the other thing that's painful, but a reality is like that for most people, their first time listening to the show is when it was the best. And then after that, it'll never be as good again. If they like the show, they're like, oh, that was a magical moment when it was like, oh, wow, I really loved that stage of the show. And then the show changes even a little (laughs) bit. And they're like, oh, it just doesn't. It's just, well, you did fall in love with the show at some point. So at least I was doing something right like I remember talking to somebody and they told me the same thing and I was like holy cow and they're like just so you know like that happens to everybody bands artists it's like oh wow like that's so interesting that's like when you discover something there's this magical quality that really can't be replicated unfortunately you can't replicate it week after week after week
1: yeah yeah well and of course it's always so hard to spread the word so I appreciate you taking on one of our episodes to try to share us with your audience and i hope that the people listening today will also check out sleep with me to check out this virtual tour listen to them back to back i found it hilarious
2: yeah you get to go i mean talk about opportunity for travel right now you get to go to two versions of the same rome
1: two versions one for the day one for the night Yeah. yeah so it's episode 887 virtual tour of rome on the sleep with me podcast Thanks so much for coming on.
2: Thanks so much for uh, letting me uh, take the journey to Rome with both of you. Thanks.
1: (laughs) Come again. Uh, And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell.
0: Thanks for joining us. Subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And if you love it, leave us a good review. And please tell all your friends about us. Also, if you have an idea for a bittersweet moment send it to us by email or voice memo. We're at bittersweetlife@mail.com, or you can just find us at the contact page at thebittersweetlife.net or on all the social medias. Just search for The Bittersweet Life.